Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts, if you dare. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Um, okay, podcast starts now. Okay, podcast starts now. Hello, world. You are listening to a renowned podcast, Radio Lab. George, how are you doing? Um, happy 9-11. Uh, well, he went there. Okay, dirtbag left. We're here. I had a moment today where I was like, should I, <laughs> should I post about 9-11 and then i was like no what are you talking about what would you have said what was your post that you were brainstorming i'm not i'm not gonna i i mean when 9-11 happened i my family lived in new jersey and my dad worked in manhattan so like i do distinct like not to you know i I was living in the area and i have like a personal experience of it and i remember like you know not knowing if my dad was okay and like waiting to be picked up at school then my mom came to school everyone else was getting picked up and my mom like Everyone else was getting picked up and it was like, okay, this family's safe, this family's safe. And my mom did not come early and came right when school ended, meaning I was waiting in the gym for like the entire school day. And then she came and I was like, everyone else came and picked up their kids early. And she was like, why? (laughs) And I was like, because of 9-11. And she's like, well, yeah, but I mean, school was still happening, right? (laughs) I love that in that story, you as a child knew it was already 9-11. I said, I said, haven't you heard it's 9-11? It's 9-11. It's the 9-11. The one I've been telling you is coming and it's here. No. And, you know, I I can't legally talk about why I knew, but I did. Also, I just have to say, George, you know, a running theme in this podcast is how absolutely pissed off you are at your bitch of a mom. And I have to say, you have to let go of that anger. Listen, you have called my mom a bitch on this podcast over five times, and I have never said that. I'm literally just interpreting what you're saying. I'm a mirror. I'm no, hearing what you're, I, you're saying and reflecting this, it back at you. You're bringing this very kind of like passive wasp energy where you're like, my mom, yeah, I've met her. And I'm like, no, you know, my mom and I have fights. Then we work it out. Like, it's a more healthy relationship. All I'm ever hearing from you is like, oh, my bitch mom this, you know, my bitch Once mom Once again, that. six times. Okay. <laughs> Look, I'm literally just saying what you're telling me. Um, I, the last time this happened, I was talking about how my mom, like, I was making coffee and my mom was like, oh, the, you know, the water doesn't go there. And then you were like, she sounds like a bitch. <laughs> Look, unfortunately, we have no way of looking this information up. So we don't no. know who's right. 
No. I well, think... we delete the podcast episodes right when we post them. Yeah. That way they're more valuable. Sometimes our audience grows and we say, ah, no. <laughs> I'm scared of success. How about no. you? Yeah, me too. Um, you know, actually, pathetically, I did make a, a 9-11 post. Um, oh my God, what was it? Well, it was... Were, it you, was... were you pro or against? <laughs> um, it was a neutral take. It, oh. it was just... Um, I said that uh, when I was in... When 9-11 happened, uh, I was scared because I was in the third largest middle school in Ohio. And we were sure, like, just statistically speaking, that was probably the next target. That's a really funny joke. <laughs> well, and it's true. You know, I remember being in the library and the kids being like, well, I mean, think about it. Like we are the, that's the third biggest library or biggest middle school in Ohio. Wait, did people actually say that? People actually thought that. Like, because you know how everyone wants to make something about themselves. Like these yeah. children were sort of exercising early narcissism. That's and really cool. I, I mean, for it. honestly, it's really cool that that can even happen in Ohio and not just, you know, Bushwick. Isn't it cool that narcissism exists throughout this great nation you don't need to be coastal to have it yeah no there are well no it's just more sad if you're not <laughs> but there are different i think there are different flavors of narcissism you know the the midwest i feel like the the narcissism of, of of an ohio is kind of thinking that they are the real america yeah that is very true and then the narcissism of like a brooklyn is thinking you know what is ohio right it's like i'm not a, i'm european like right. I transcend. Well, I trans New York is in Europe. <laughs> Technically, I mean it's so close. Right. Um but you know, can I tell you the really stupid joke I wanted to make for Yes. <laughs> I I fully drafted it. I was about to screenshot it and send it to you and be like, should I post this? And the, the joke was, sheesh, I barely remember a world before 9/11. Oh wait, yes I do. It was yesterday uh nine aka nine ten and then i would put a bunch of laughing emojis and then hashtag friday funny god <laughs> come on just trying to lighten the damn mood it really is interesting that that joke not only didn't make it online but didn't even make it to my personal text like it didn't even you knew even just to send it to me was embarrassing yeah i well i knew you wouldn't appreciate it it's really not your style and um I respect that. And having to think it through, I thought, it, do I need to be tweeting this? Which, Yeah. Well, what do you what do we think currently about um, ironic bad jokes like to write something and then do like clapping emoji, laughing emoji? I think it can be fun when the like the timeline feels extremely toxic. Like mm -hmm. I was getting very annoyed that everyone was interacting with that dumb. This is a, why are we doing a Twitter roundup? Anyway, everyone was interacting with that guy, uh, that writer who did like the Paul America Krugman. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, so annoyed. And I was like, which, you know, you did interact with, but and then I deleted. Oh, congrats. Because I said, who am I? Who am I? Who am I to talk back at Paul Krugman? Well, I was just like, everybody like dunking on this is like, grow up. Like, I know. I agree. And you know up. what? I did grow up fast. <laughs> and Hollywood makes you. Um, so I thought I would, that was sort of my anti uh, dunking on that guy. Huh. So do we love our Twitter roundup? Is this well, fun for that people? all sounds great. I mean. I'm really glad that I deleted a tweet and you didn't post yours. Another successful day. <laughs> that is it. Um, so should we? Should we bring in our guest? I guess. So, like, what's that? What I, the only, I'm trying to think of an interesting way to say that I've been watching tennis, but it's not an interesting thing. I mean, it can be. I mean, has anything interesting happened in tennis? Yes, Serena Williams was um, is not didn't make the final. Oh, ooh. I know. Well, I don't want to, you know, celebrate. Her Last either. night I had a moment where I was watching it by myself and then our, our good friend Josh Sharp was also watching. And it, I just was in this text thread with him where after every point, one of us would just be like, woo, or like, yikes, or like, oof. And I was like, what are we doing? What What is the point of like texting a syllable after each point? Should I just be watching this match by myself? Well, was it fun? Yeah. I mean, maybe you don't need to investigate these feelings. Okay. Maybe you just... I can't imagine. No, okay, sure. Let's bring in our guest. <laughs> well, I was trying to think of a fun way to talk about my uh, gorgeous trip upstate. Um, 
but let's just bring in our guest. Yeah, no, I don't think Upstate or watching the U.S. Open really qualify as next topics. That's a good point. Um, okay, should we bring him in? Or... Yeah. Okay, um, please give it up for our next guest. He is the inventor of the cotton gin. It is Joel Kim Booster. Wow. <laughs> I love when you guys just sort of <clears throat> hit a wall and that's when you decide to bring guests in. Um, that is uh, my favorite part of your podcast. Yeah. And you know what, Joel? Thank you. For we already asked you this off mic, but I want you to be perfectly honest. As someone who does listen to this podcast, what is it? Um, where is it going? Um, I think it's going straight to the Forever Dog Network. <laughs> you know, you would think, and yet we have not gotten any emails. You know, that is really incredible that we have not gotten that email. I think it fits right in with that network, which is just populated by podcasts that I listen to because um, I, it makes me feel less alone because it makes me feel like I'm hanging out with my good friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is what that network is to me personally. Just me and my good friends hanging out. And that's what this podcast is to me. It's so crazy that you say that because from the beginning, we said we don't want this to feel like friends hanging out. We want it to feel like it's actually adding something to the conversation. So I guess we failed. We yeah, failed. I, I intrinsically sort of feel like the, this is an inside baseball podcast for our specific group text. Um, mm. That is how I feel about it. And I and in that way, I was deeply offended that it actually has taken this long for me to be invited on. Um, well, here's the thing. We have been... Um, well, first of all, we didn't want to have you on. But <laughs> second of all, we've been trying to kind of stretch out um, the no, gay man that we have on. <laughs> I see what you're doing with the guests. You're, you're trying to go off the beaten path. You're trying to take it outside of the Los Culturistas cinematic universe. I get right. it. Exactly. You're trying to go with some, you know, you know, interesting guests that maybe people who don't listen to these podcasts haven't heard from before. You're, you know, I don't know. I yeah, can... people like Matt Rogers or Bowen Yang. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> And now me. I was I, I was really nervous, Sam, when you were introducing me that you were actually going to list a credit because if I I know for a fact, no, we don't know any oh, of your credits. You don't I do mean, that in this house, and so no, we do not. I would do have that. been, and you haven't been in anything, right? Right? No, never. And I actually, um, I, it would have been actually humiliating for me if you had listed a credit and I'd been. Well, yeah, I didn't want to say. I mean, I could have said, you know, Out of Bounds Comedy Festival in Austin, Texas, but I just <laughs> I didn't. I feel like that would almost be offensive to you. He's the host of um, a monthly show at this and that. Um, but wow, I just... deep cut. That's pre-George. George was still <laughs> coming up at Boston open mics when I was hosting a bar show at this and that RIP in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. That God, I love this and that is a classic um, or early Williamsburg venue name yeah Yeah. you know after that show was one of the drunkest times of my entire life oh yeah um which the bartender kept giving me free drinks and i was i remember talking to you and you were and i was like he just keeps giving me free drinks and you're like yeah he's just gonna keep doing that and i was like well this is great then and i was like watch like kind of like doing it like a little trick and i was like watch me get a free drink it was a nightmare that was really that was a really great APOC in I think comedy in the scene like I remember George on one episode I think with with Drew Anderson you saying that New York comedy was just people singing Broadway songs now mm. um and I and I I get the sentiment but I agree that like there was a time when that was not happening and in fact those impulses were shamed and people sort of had to hide that um absolutely for that and i mean much like all other industries comedy used to be inhospitable to gay men and now it's too hospitable (laughs) (laughs) people are feeling a little too comfortable sort of yeah you know what i actually genuinely agree (laughs) (laughs) i mean no it sounds okay this sounds toxic but i fully think we got to make some cuts oh yeah i actually think if we were to make cuts now i would be cut i would be cut for sure Really? No. I I, no, I think nothing funny in months. I literally have it. And I know that. Oh, pandemic. my God. Babe, it's the no pandemic. It's the pandemic. But the pandemic is here to stay. And so at this point, if you're not, if you can't be funny in the pandemic, then you're just not funny, I think. is. I the- know. No, it's true. But the thing is, we have to. 
the, the the number of universal experiences is smaller during the pandemic. So the things you can make fun of are so are also similar. It's Although true. I guess people have been making jokes about like relationships and jobs for decades, centuries well, even. And there's also a lot of like, you know, I can't really talk about all of the really funny happenings going on at the speakeasies that I'm frequenting now. Um, yes. In LA, <laughs> and that's really difficult, you know, like I can't. A lot of slapstick humor in your speakeasy orgies. <laughs> yeah, there's no more wild talks about those parties we're all at all the time. Yeah, I, I it really has sort of made me realize that the locust of my writing for the last two years has been drugs and orgies which is mm. universal stuff i've really managed to make it um really fun and universal for the people that i play to largely in the midwest which i also wanted to say that growing up in the midwest during 9 11 i remember my dad stockpiling canned goods and even at the age of like 12 i was like i don't even know where new york is right now <laughs> so why would they care why would they the care mid- plainfield illinois the Midwest really took that as an identity, like it's- well, because it was a it was a very um, what I remember. Here's what I remember from from after nine oh, eleven official nine eleven podcast. Yeah, sure no, I, because this is I feel like these are things that we were all just young enough to like not question, but old enough to really remember viscerally. Do you, like there was such a rise in full on like nationalism, but in like a cute in like an apolitical way. Mm-hmm. Like I distinctly remember asking my parents to buy a little magnet for our car that said support our troops like it was like a yellow ribbon magnet and i was like this is a status symbol like everyone has that it's kind of the telfar bag of um a post 9-11 america new jersey or like i remember like buying a like a winter hat that was that had like an american it was all stars around the head and then stripes going up I remember in youth group, because I was homeschooled at the time, so I wasn't in school for this, but I remember in youth group, we started folding the flag at the end of every youth group. Um, oh my God. In the, in, the, in the way that you're supposed to fold flags in the respectful way. Like basically all of turning all of us into those messengers who like bring the flag to fallen soldiers' homes at the end of the war. Um, that's how I felt. That's It felt like drag to me every single day. It, 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 it really was. It was. It was like a way... Weirdly enough, it was so accessible to be patriotic in that kind of surface level way that I I found it to be a way that I could um, relate to my to, you know, my friends who had non-immigrant parents. I was like, yeah, I love the American flag. (laughs) Jingoism was huge. I definitely remember being like. Okay, I'm gonna join the army. Like, if, if oh, I were no. like, if I were like chilling right now, I would absolutely join the army. If I wasn't in school and eleven, I would be joining the army. I remember, I mean, I identified as a Republican until I was 16, too. So, huh. Oh. Uh, that was I real. Have, I absolutely did. Because you don't know. No, no. There is somewhere out there a toxic essay that I wrote for, like, a, a $100 prize for, oh, like, no. the local bookstore that's, like, pro-George Bush. And it is, like, mm-hmm. it will be released one day and I will, like, I was literally 13. And it was just like, oh, I can't believe it. I remember there. looking my AP U.S. history teacher in the eyes, who is an, like a vowed liberal and being like, I'm so glad George W. Bush was reelected. And he said, why? And I said, because I feel safer now. <laughs> oh, well, at least you were like evolved in your um, messaging, I would say. <laughs> yeah, you were really. What is the official line? <laughs> Good for you. I, um, I remember uh, very clearly thinking that I personally was smarter than George W. Bush and um, asking, asking my parents, I was like, I was basically making the argument, like, no matter what your beliefs are, like, he's not smart. Like, I think I'm smarter than him. Right. And I remember my dad being like, well, I mean, I don't know if you're smarter than him currently, like you are um, 11, (laughs) but, but I see what you're saying. And then I also remember being part of the young liberals group in my, middle school where we would um order carry buttons and wear them oh wow woke bay yeah that, 
doesn't seem like it could sustain an entire club for very long. That's here. literally all it was. I don't. Th- th- we did nothing else, and it was be- it was in response to a young conservatives club that was started. So then, mm. and I didn't know the words conservative and liberal. I just knew Republican and Democrat. And I remember being like, okay, liberal is Democrat. Good to like that's the synonym. Um, but yeah, this was when I was learning a lot of different words. For instance, one time someone asked me what my religion was, and I said. First of all, they said, are you Jewish or Christian? <laughs> and I said, Christian, because that's how I was raised. And, they were, and then I was like, um, I'm Christian Orthodox because I was Greek Orthodox. And then the person goes, no, Orthodox is only for Jews. And I was like, oh, OK, well, I guess I'm wrong. I, in, you know, what's crazy is growing up in my church, we would not even call Greek Orthodox Christians. We would Whoa. not Christian at all. That makes Wait, what was your I don't know any of the names. Baptist. OK, yeah. Interesting. That Joel, did sense. you just love youth group? Were you a freak for it? I was a freak for youth group. I was a youth leader. We would have to, you'd like, the thing is, is my youth group was a franchised youth group. And so it was connected to a large camp in New York that you would go to every summer and compete in. You would also compete throughout the year in regional Bible quizzing competitions. This is a part Oh, of- I did know this about you. Yeah. 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 But also like, it was also like speech and debate. So there would be like, dramatic monologues you could perform as jesus you could do a preaching oh. questions you could do you, girls were allowed weren't allowed to do preaching they were allowed to do storytelling for children and then the boys had to do preaching and then you would do like group drama like reenactments and you would compete and i competed in those as well and i made it to nationals quite a few times doing um monologues which well, you know, very competitive i have I've to say i can't that. imagine um you know, getting anything out of talking to a crowd of people on a stage um, and even adding a competitive element to it. It sounds so immature. Um, you know, it was sort of the America's Got Talent for Bible people at the time. And I remember going to New York and competing at these camps. And it was the most incredible experience of my entire fucking life. And every every summer I'd go to these camps and every summer I would throw all of my secular cds into a bonfire that i bring that and then three months later i would i would renege and like you know buy avril lavigne i'm you're not supposed yeah to. wow so you did visit new york so you are implicated in 9-11 <laughs> <laughs> no, um, should we do our first segment <laughs> <laughs> okay can i say can we talk about the podcast while we make the podcast yeah we need we need to, we actually i've been thinking about this sam we need to go back to our roots and be more avant-garde we've been having too many linear conversations I, I mean, I, uh, tips, tricks. I mean, h- how do we lighten the damn mood? Oh, wait, Sam, you just got suddenly very loud. Oh, my God. Congrats, Sam. You oh, found your voice. <laughs> Sam, you finally found your voice. I'm watching a, a season of Real Housewives where Carol is like, like says two things. And then people are like, you know, I like that you found your voice. <laughs> I mean, I think that's so inspiring. And if I can find my voice within this podcast, I hope that all the little boys out there in the third biggest middle school in in the third world can (laughs) can find a way to speak up and say, I'm at risk of being in the next 9-11. I think that's powerful. I hope refugees listen to this podcast. I do. Oh, they do. (laughs) Wait, this is a different... Okay, wait. Maybe we should do our first topic because what I'm about to say actually is a bad topic. Okay, let's just do our let's just do our first segment. It'll loosen us up, and then we'll be ready to only talk about surface level, non serious things. Oh, thank God! And if it and if a conversation ever comes back to my family, I will completely shut down. <laughs> okay, that's totally me. Um, okay, jo- we're not even going to introduce the segment because Joel is a, a podcast listener. Joel, well, actually, Sam, go for you can go first. Um, okay, Joel, this is straight shooters. I'm not going to explain it, but here is the start of it. I mean, somebody um, might, you know, you might want to just I, as a note, you might want to just in case someone's tuning in for this episode. Huh? Any other huh. notes, Joel? Any other I'm notes? Joel, you the section of the, the section of the episode where we ask you what you think of the podcast has already happened. Okay. All right. Go ahead. Yeah, maybe. This is your maybe, house. I, I, I could break this tension with a uh, ladle. Okay. 
Straight Shooters is a segment in which we uh, gauge the guests' familiarity with the beautiful, gorgeous tapestry that is straight culture by asking them a series of rapid-fire questions that's mostly just this thing or this thing. If they dare to ask a follow-up, we get absolutely pissed off. And if you're a new listener, then guess what? I'm already pissed off. You Okay, Joel, here we go. I can't wait. Um, HBO's Girls or Amazon's The Boys? Amazon's the boys. Whoa. Joel, natural wine or natural deodorant? Natural wine. Okay, Joel, if a disease was named after you because you got it and you wore it so well, would you be flattered or offended? Flattered. Hmm. Joel, raising awareness or raising the roof? Raising awareness. Joel. Louis Vuitton or Louis C.K.? <laughs> Louis Vuitton. <laughs> Joel, homemade granola or homemade dynamite by Lord, the remix featuring Khalid, Post Malone, and SZA? Um, homemade dynamite by Lord featuring Khalid, SZA, and, and whatever the other. Post Malone. <laughs> Pay attention. <laughs> Pay attention. This is going to be on the final. Um, Joel, what is more emotional? seeing two people commit their lives to each other in marriage or seeing two companies commit their profits together in merger two people committing 1000 marriage oh joel dried fruit or wet ass pussy <laughs> wet ass pussy wow joel wow. that was beautiful and now of that course we really give you great. a score i want to uh, i want to defend my answer for the boys really quickly and say have you seen pictures of langston kerman celebrated comic in the boys yet he's oh my god it? i didn't know he was in the boys they forced him I'm still to... recovering from his appearance on insecure yeah wait they, you, they you forced him to jacked? Jacked, and there's a picture on his instagram of it if you're a fan of comedy if you're a fan of gorgeous bodies go to langston kerman's instagram and look at his still from the boys because it is outrageous wow you know langston kerman is has an mfa in poetry <laughs> you i'm serious Boston comics you love to get these advanced degrees langston kerman is too much i mean the fact that his name is langston and he has an mfa in poetry and he taught he was a high school english teacher on the south side like yes exactly yeah. and is married to a beautiful gorgeous woman yeah, who also is a doctor, I want to say. Like, not a. Oh my God, enough. Has a PhD, I want to say. They're kind of a. Um, uh, they're like a plant to make heterosexuality like acceptable again. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's working. I'm thinking of turning back. Me too. Um, Actually, can I say that I have in recent years been like, maybe I missed something here? I, I agree. I, I've, I've been thinking about like circling back and just grazing bisexuality for a second just to see that's the real horseshoe theory is that we're all going to be straight in two years <laughs> i would love for that to be true that there's there's not enough of that do you think it's tough because bisexuality exists but if it didn't then do you think there would be many people that were that would like then do, do like um there would be like rachel dollar for for homosexuality you you, so you're saying would bisexual people exist if bisexuality didn't exist? Is it- you know what? Let's nip this right in the bud. <laughs> Do you remember when Cynthia Nixon said that you could choose your sexuality? No. I remember the halcyon days of Cynthia Nixon. I do, but here's the thing. The way she said it was not... She was just like, I choose to be with a woman. Yes, I, I know. I misrep- I'm intentionally misrepresenting it because it's funnier to say that Cynthia Nixon believes you can choose your sexuality. Yeah, you know, that's why she lost to de Blasio because of that comment. <laughs> How do you think Cynthia Nixon would have handled the pandemic? Gyms would have been open way sooner. Here's the thing. Oh, that's it's true. really There is something really tough about these scenarios with the pandemic because on the one hand, I want Cynthia Nixon to be governor. On the other hand, all these like ruthless, unethical mobster like people such as Hillary Clinton or Bill de Blasio or whoever else, when it comes to something as sweeping as a pandemic, I'm like, they're going to make the spreadsheets. 
Okay, you started off very Jacobin and then you ended very New Republic. Um, yeah, I'm 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 coming around to the New Republic point of view. I am shocked that that is your take. Uh, I'm genuinely surprised. I mean, I can't help but feel that she would obviously be doing a better job, right? She would love a she loves a spreadsheet. It's she like loves a it's spreadsheet. true. Cynthia Nix. Well, if you're gonna be a leftist, you need to be bisexual. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, go on. <laughs> no, that's it. I have nothing more to add. I don't actually think De Blasio is doing a good job. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to. There, there's something in the kind of like, no matter how many people. Um, wait, I'm also not talking about De Blasio. I'm talking about Cuomo. Yeah. But, but let's take De Blasio for instance. The fact that no matter how many people literally are like <laughs> telling him to resign every single day, he just keeps on doing the same thing. What if that thing was good? What if we could channel the energy of just like that blind faith in what you're doing, but then you had like good politics? And I don't know if um, someone like Cynthia Nixon would have that. I think she would be very influenced by what people around her were saying because of her empathy. She'd listen to her constituents. Exactly. She'd listen to her constituents. But sometimes constituents are bad. Some, well, there, there are too many of them, especially in a city like New York. Well, and that's why we have to make cuts. Because right. We have to get rid of some medium. constituents. Just made aware of how, how many people live in Wyoming. Um, just the other day, stumbled across this information. Do you guys know Price is Right rules? How many people are in Wyoming? How many people are in the state of Wyoming? A hundred thousand. I'm guessing. Um, that sounds right. A hundred thousand is your guess. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wait, hold on, hold on. You think there <laughs> are a hundred thousand people in Wyoming? Is that a lot no. or a little? How about um, three hundred thousand? You, okay, you both are. George wins. Price is right rules because he's he got closer. Is it literally like two million? No, it's it's five ninety eight thousand. Um, <laughs> but what I will say, your guess is more reasonable than Sam's. One hundred thousand people. There's a hundred thousand people in Greenpoint right now. No, you were you were you were like setting this up as like it's you'll never believe how few people there what? are in wyoming so i was like okay are there 590,000 people <laughs> is not that many people think about how many people live in new york city i mean 598,000 people sounds like a lot of people imagine you're throwing a party in your apartment and right, and then you invite 598,000 people like i would be upset i'd be like this is a lot of people i'd be like there need to be some cuts made like does anyone have a list like yeah if like there were, that, we I should at least invest in a vip section is like the amount of people that went to the warp tour one year you know like i don't even think that like that is like a, an, an eighth of the population of new york but doesn't that grind your gears they get two senators Oh, that's oh, what I you're mean, saying. Yes, of tough. course, of course, of course. I am so nervous that I said in my efforts to be funny, uh, basically expressed support for Bill de Blasio and Andrew Cuomo and Hillary Clinton and Hillary Clinton. And you know what? Ultimately, if you look at if you look at everything I said literally and you kind of take it at face value, that is what I did. But I promise you, I don't feel that way. <laughs> well, George, uh, you really did a good act. No, what I'm job. trying to say, you know what? I'm going to keep I'm going to keep Biden this November. So you're saying women are too weak. I and feel like thoughtful. men should get the vaccine first. <laughs> <laughs> are you guys going to get the are you guys going to get the first wave vaccine? Because I am. I'm going to say give it to me. I don't care. I don't care what it does to me. October 28th, give me the vaccine. Octo- give it to me early. I've signed up for every single trial of a vaccine that I can find. Do they um, pay you for the trials? I don't think so. And I don't need the money. I need the vaccine. Okay. I, I need, need the money, honey. Body so that I can walk to Subway without a mask on. That's what I want. Ugh, I walk to Subway every day like fucking Jared and get a sandwich. Isn't that sad? Isn't you that, do? That's LA culture right there. When you were saying I would walk to the subway, I was like, oh, he's like pretending he's still in New York. Like, no. Okay, I just won't call him out on this. Like, oh, sure, sure, sure. Do you go to the subway in LA? Oh, the subway. The subway sandwich. <laughs> he eats subway sandwiches. You guys are adding, roll back the transcript. I said subway, walk to subway. Mm-hmm. The subway. This is sort of Joel, the you eat subway? I eat subway every day. Why? Because I know how much is in it, and it's healthy for you. Are you in the running to be the next spokesperson? I cannot 
confirm nor deny <laughs> the next pedophile to be representing Subway. America's next pedophile representing Subway. Hosted <laughs> by Tyra Banks. <laughs> oh, you know, remember when, okay, this is not, okay, whatever. I'm going to try talking about it. Remember when Jared Fogle got arrested and then everybody was like, wait, that's not the right name. And it is. Okay, that is the right name. Uh, and everybody like made the same joke on Twitter where it was like, I hope he's taking a foot long in prison or something. Ugh. And it was like all so bad and stupid. But there was one guy who was like a failed open micer who made a Facebook post where he was like clearly trying to get to the computer and type the joke as quickly as possible. And he wrote, if you to be in shape to catch the kid, which... <laughs> like wait he wrote what if you to be in shape to catch the kid that was the that was the whole sentence that was it send tweet (laughs) (laughs) that's so funny because clearly i see what he's doing yeah and he just it was full of typos and he couldn't you know it was all about timing he was like i gotta get this out before anybody else Oh, you know, I love that. Remember about the week that Jared Fogel was arrested is I believe I could be making this up, but I believe it was the same week that Facebook Reacts came out, and so <laughs> <laughs> I just remember smashing that. Egg. They created those. You know how how YouTube um, was created after um after Janet Jackson you know had had her wardrobe malfunction but in fact the react buttons were created because people were so angry about jared fogel that they needed something (laughs) other than a like now sam here's the question that is on everyone's lips now that we've brought up jared fogel i can hear your listeners clamoring to get inside and know would you smash no No. (laughs) i do i i draw a line and i have to draw the line there jared your type but not at Dr. Phil. I sent you a video of Dr. Phil today, and you got a chub. Sam, I do think Dr. Phil is a step too far. No, okay, but you have to you have to put yourself in the full like the full fantasy was Dr. Phil doing a TikTok where he's saying like like people are calling me daddy online, and then he says in this weird voice, like kind of southern, kind of scolding in a way that's it's his joking voice. Sure, but it's like I ain't your daddy, and I was like, "Ooh, like come on!" You, you, I just imagine you on your knees, <laughs> Doctor Phil, and him looking down and just saying, "I ain't your daddy." Oh, it, does that not turn you guys on a little, Sam? When you first said you were attracted to Doctor Phil, I was not into it, but when I found out that it was because of a TikTok, <laughs> I'm on board. Oh yeah, we are all pro TikTok here. Actually, We're pro TikTok. True. I am pro uh, Cynthia Nixon and not Bill De Blasio and Andrew Cuomo. And what I'm anti- on record saying, and I'm I am anti Jared Fogle. Yes, and I'm I, you know I would say I see both sides with the Jared Fogle situation. How do you think he would handle the pandemic? Well. You know, he really, uh, you, you can't say he's not disciplined. And... Here's, a, here, here's the point I was trying to make. <laughs> and I actually think this is why Jared would handle a pandemic well. Is, <laughs> is The pandemic is such a like, it's you just have to have tunnel vision and, and just be like, every single person is the same and we're going to get every single person the vaccine. So if you are just without even considering anything else ideally i'm not saying that is what anyone is currently doing but the ideal situation is that it should be like an equalizing force and that every single person is just as susceptible to it and every single person deserves a vaccine so then what you need is someone who is so uh single-minded that they can just focus on that one task and jared has only done one well two things but one thing in his life which is that he has lost weight by eating Subway sandwiches. And I feel like if he could channel that kind of single-mindedness to something like dealing with a pandemic, we could really have something. Whereas Cynthia Nixon, it's like, she's an actress. She's a politician. I she's think what you're saying, you know, bisexual. Jared Fogel would make a better... I think you're, what you're describing is a czar. You think that Jared Fogel would make a good pandemic czar. Yes. And- yeah. yeah, get him in Fauci's role. Yeah. <laughs> Jared Fogel is the new Fauci. 
<laughs> Let's get it trending. <laughs> I speaking of you know nine eleven things as kids that we interpreted weird. Jared Fogel, I remember being a kid and being like truly inspired and being like wow anything is possible dare to believe like this man lost weight by eating subway well sam i have to tell you as a very fat kid i the whole thing i it made me think that to to lose weight was something that if i really put my mind to it i can do in a span of like two months i just needed to like find the right sandwich chain (laughs) so that's why i kept putting it off yeah well, I can see that. That makes sense. Thank you. Do they not have Quiznos in Mykonos or wherever the fuck you were? <laughs> well, first of all, this was when I was in yeah. New Jersey, and they most certainly had Quiznos there. Uh, um, so, Joel, we've dis- we have asked you to come prepared with a topic. Yeah. And I'll say um, the topic I am... I've come to prepare to talk to you about is spiders and bugs. Um, and it's a topic that I think, and I, I was really struggling with this because I thought for a second, there is something feminine about spiders. Spiders are, are often sort of pro- like we project f- like the female gender onto them and spiders are girls sort of canonically. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Bugs are boys, but dealing with them is a boy's job. Is, right. a, is a straight male job. And I'll, I'll say this. So the reason I really thought about this is because I was really thinking about like the last vestiges of my own heterosexuality. And it was when I was like eight years old. And there was a time in my life where I really wanted to be an entomologist. Like that was like my first big career aspiration oh. was to be an entomologist. And I was like fascinated with bugs. And I was specifically, and this this hurts my heart to say, but I would I would capture spiders and put them in containers together and make them fight. And then I developed empathy and realized, and it was sort of a crossroads of like, you know, you either graduate from spiders to real animals or you become, you know, a person with empathy. And thankfully I developed empathy and realized how horrific that is. But I think making spiders fight is very straight. Making spiders fight. Making spiders fight is definitely sort of you lashing out. You know, I I see that as uh, you trying to fit in with straight. It it feels so toxic. But to me, making spiders fight is very like, if spiders are girls, making spiders fight is is your Andy Cohen. Wow. You're kind of what you're Andy Cohen, you're RuPaul, and you're making them lip sync for their lives. Like, wow. this is, does not seem to me. I mean, imagine growing up in a household with no Barbies. What are you going to do? You have to find anything. Spiders were my Barbies. Yeah. And luckily, I had two sisters, so Barbies were my Barbies. Have I told the story on this podcast about how one time my grandmother saw me playing with a Barbie and then immediately went outside and chain smoked for like three hours? <laughs> oh. <laughs> My parents were never prouder of me than when I would run around and saying I wanted to be a bug scientist. Um, and what the fuck do bug scientists are? What exactly are they doing today? Thank like, you. Like, do I hope they feel proud of themselves that they went into yeah. a, such a useless fucking field? Like, we're going through a global fucking pandemic, and you're studying how crickets mate. For Thank what? You. For, for what? For what reason? Literally, why? Well, well counterpoint. I think I I knew someone in college who studied ants and she was like, ants are the most collaborative creatures. And if we could all channel ants, then we would live in a socialist utopia. What do you have to say about that? Uh, well, how are we going to do that? Like download their damn brain? I, I'm pissed yeah. off. <laughs> and ants are also the most crushable creatures, too. OK. Yes, it's called vulnerability, radical vulnerability. Radical. <laughs> They're also I, extremely strong. They are. Do you know who's gay? Grasshoppers. Why? Because they're hopping around. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever seen a straight person be like, they also all do sort of seem like they're wearing accessories. Like you can, that's the thing. Yeah. Really easily picture a grasshopper in a top hat, in a monocle. Yes. Waistcoat. Um, any sort and which are all three very gay accessories as we know mm-hmm. wait did I ever tell you about the time I met Anthony wearing a, a monocle oh no yeah I opened for John for Jonathan Van Ness 
um, at the improv. And to to his credit, I will say this about Jonathan Van Ness doing stand-up. You know for a fact that there's no jokes. You know going in that there's no jokes. There's no hard jokes. That's not why you're there. On this set. Sold out like five shows. Um, and every time he opened his mouth, just uproarious laughter. And to his credit, I will say at one point in the middle of his set, he literally um, was like, you guys are just laughing at everything I say, even the stuff that's not supposed to be funny. Why are you doing that? And then they laughed at that even harder. And you could tell he was sort of in his own nightmare at that point. Like it was like a very Twilight Zone moment where he was like, I've gotten my greatest wish, but I hate it. And then he yeah. was like, he literally turned to a woman in the front row and he's like, are you eating pizza? A, like applause break, a, an applause break. That's literally verbatim what he said. He said, are you eating pizza? Applause break. And then he said, what are you guys doing? Uh, <laughs> it was so mad. And it was incredible to watch someone sort of realize that like they just couldn't, they knew that they weren't good, but like they also could do no wrong. And most of the other queer eye guys were there and in between shows we were in the green room and tan was very nice he was like he treated us like the people that were opening for jonathan like we were celebs he was like i can't believe what you do it's incredible and anthony was like very like no one look at me but he kept being like i'm where i was like why are we were all sort of like why are you wearing um this monocle and he said because i don't want people to know who i am and it's like wow. you've put a target on your face. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, that's like, what he said. God, yeah. What a disguise! What a disguise! A monocle. Um, and Pete Davidson and um, Ariana Grande were also up there. Oh, and they, how were they? They Ariana very nice. I uh, I did approach her and say I'm sorry I'm gay and I have to say this but I love you. And she was very, and she, you know, was very sweet about it. And then she was like, we're actually going to home to play Quiplash and watch Harry Potter. Um, so that's a little window into what that relationship wow. was. I, mean, I think it's really cool that you felt the need to say that you're gay while you're opening for the Queer Eye cast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I felt the need to say I was gay so that like she knew why I was approaching her. Um, not, I don't know, George, listen. <laughs> Joel, I think it's beautiful that you open with that. I think that is it's Sorry, honest. That's actually how I approach women at the gym. When I when I would go to the gym and I would like need to work in with a woman, I would say, hey. I have to say, I yeah. I did go through a phase where I was like, <laughs> I didn't know that you know it was obvious that I was gay. So I so I felt that every time I talked to a woman, I thought I didn't want her to think I was hitting on her. So it would be very common for me to be like, first of all, like I'm gay, so let's get that out of the way. <laughs> I always hated when like, like I know straight guys get annoyed when girls are like my boyfriend, like really early in the conversation, but I would get like super annoyed when they would be like, well, my boyfriend, because I was like, yeah, fine. Like, I'm not, I'm literally not hitting on you. Like, stop saying your boyfriend. Like, I don't care. God, girls can be so cruel to gays. <laughs> they um, never talk about that. People are always talking about gay misogyny these days, but they never talk about that. Yes. They that never talk about straight homophobia. <laughs> why are we not talking about straight homophobia remember when everyone was remember when it was cool to be like bachelorette parties in gay bars is like nazi germany <laughs> i do not remember that comparison being popular no. i don't remember it either and i do think there there is like such a weird like i there i like gay people aren't persecuted anymore um we all know that and i think that a lot of gay no, people yeah. we were still um, and so they, well, that's like their one go-to is that. Well, what happens is the gay people that are persecuted are like being resilient and, you know, uh, being extremely strong. And the gay people that aren't persecuted are writing uh, books about being persecuted. Yeah. Yeah. Well, also. Um, people like, who are being persecuted don't have time because they're being persecuted. Right. Exactly. Right. If you were actually being persecuted, you wouldn't be writing a book or kind of having an audible original. Well, gay people today is kind of like uh, the Midwest during 9-11, where it's like, <laughs> exactly. it's like, it's not about you at all. You're chilling, but they're still like, do you see what could happen to me? Like, what, that's what's so, possible? Oh, you're, you, that is, you hit the nail on the head. Urban gay people today with homophobia are like the Midwest with 9-11. <laughs> it has nothing to do with you. Stop making this about you. Yes. Stop yes. Canned goods. 
<laughs> and stop doing stand-up comedy. <laughs> They're not um, coming for you. They just want to come into the bars. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so bugs, I'm honestly surprised that you liked them. Do you still feel comfortable no, around I, bugs? I'm tortured. The other reason I brought up spiders is because so I live by a river currently, very close to a river. I won't say which one because James. people to find me. It's the River Wild. Uh, <laughs> and because of that, there are a lot of bugs, and I live in a spider haven. There are no less than five spiders in every room of my apartment right now and it is um it's terrifying and they my neighbors who i i live in a duplex and i share a backyard with my neighbors and they're they beg me every day not to kill the spiders these the spiders are so important to the ecosystem because they kill the other bugs and i famously have a joke where i say i don't want to work with the bugs to get rid of the bugs you know i don't want to work with the community to get rid of the other bugs um, but that's how I feel because it just doesn't seem worth it. And also they're constantly telling me, they're like, the spiders are more afraid of you than you are of them. And to that, I say, prove it because right, it's like, if they're afraid, then they should leave. Yes, exactly. They, I, I don't share a bed with people I'm afraid of. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah, I have. Well, yeah. It can be hot to be a little scared. <laughs> yeah, Joel, that's that one. We're not on board with. <laughs> We were like with you until the very end. Yeah, Joel, um, do you, do yeah. you ever thought that the bugs think it's hot to be scared of you and therefore they get in your bed? Maybe. You know, I hate I hate it when the first thing people bring up with spiders is how many spiders you eat in a year. And I feel like during the pandemic, we're all eating so many more spiders than we normally would. Right. Yeah. I would love to sort of know the logic or What? I would love to know the logic on that. Wait, I have a question. What even is the whole like... um we eat this many spiders in a year. I feel like someone just made that up once. No, I believe it. Cause have you ever woken up with a spider on your face? I have. No, no. I've woken once. up with a giant cockroach on my back. Congrats. Thanks. Wait, so you've <laughs> woken up with a spider on your face? Many times. Have you never, never felt a little creeping on your face and sort of like Sam, have you? Never once. Not oh my once. god, you guys are gaslighting me right now. This is a <laughs> this is a human experience that many people share. No, what's gaslighting is everyone being like, Yeah, you eat a number of spiders in your lifetime, and it's like, where's the data? Why no, would they go in there? That's what I wonder. Why would they go in there? Well, they're attracted to moisture. Oh, are they? I don't know, but that makes sense. Are you an entomologist? Maybe. I think this is a total and complete urban myth. I honestly think I've looked it up and I think it's a lie. And and I I the fact that it spread is because it's such a juicy piece of gossip that everyone talks about it, but it's not true. I would say that it is my experience that I have woken up with enough spiders on my face to believe that I personally have eaten a number of spiders in this very month alone probably how many times a year do you wake up with spiders on your face it's a monthly occurrence i would say no this is yes, absolutely is. insane no. <laughs> joel this think of so, something is up with you you are like you are like one with the spiders like no, i don't you know are what like it is spider-man yeah no, no wait I'm not actually I'm not making this up and I actually am wondering if you guys are like you you've never you've literally never woken up Joel, I promise you I've never had a spider on my face Joel look at me and listen of course I love to gaslight people but right now I'm not gaslighting I have never once had a spider on my face that I've known of People write into stradiolab at gmail.com right Wait yes that is that genuinely our email right in um, and tell me if you've ever woken up with a spider on your face, because that is an experience that I thought was I thought I was going to come on this pod and you'd be like, yes, of course, that experience that we all share. Uh, no, I mean, it's so crazy because even I, as everyone knows, I'm in the midst of a cockroach infestation. In fact, my way of dealing with it is moving. And um, despite that, I've never woken up with bugs, except for that one notable exception with bugs on my person. Spider. But you know what? I don't actually know if New York is a spider town. It that's really, true that's true like when was the last time you even saw a spider you know what that's i will agree with you there i'm trying to think of all the other various places i've lived <laughs> if i've ever woken up with a spider on my face i mean i lived in like a gross sort of spidery basement when i was in college and never once did i wake up with a spider on my face well that was in michigan right virginia virginia yeah 
they're not there. It's not the same type. You don't. You are don't, you? Is this river? Are they just in L.A.? Are I, they all trying to make it? I that that might actually be honestly possible because the thing is, is I've never experienced spiders like I've experienced spiders in L.A. It's living next to the river, like I have. Wow. Well, it might be the river. And I'm Wait. constantly walking through webs, and I always and. You, <laughs> no. Always walking through. I'm constantly so walking is, through webs. This is like a YA novel. Like the your house is literally movie. like Stranger Things, and you're just walking <laughs> through like sheets of webs. Well, and they're supposedly. I found this out. You're not supposed to clear away webs because the spiders eat their webs for sustenance when they're not catching enough bugs. Which to that I say, not my problem. If you didn't get it, if you didn't get it in the night before, like you're supposed. Wow, to. spiders eating their own webs. Yeah, it's it's kind that's of very like you know eating your own cup. Exactly, <laughs> kind of like that. It, okay. Also, I think you should take take away the webs because you know it's sort of like you want to motivate those spiders to not just sort of depend on eating their web. You want to say, hey, no, you can't have the safety net. Get out there and eat bugs. Well, it okay, is yeah, a literal safety net. I will say, I will say that I am I'm constantly screaming at them because a lot of the spiders will choose web areas that are like near the ground and famously most of the bugs are in the sky and so i'm, th- I'm i say what are you doing down there of course you need to eat your own webs and i and i i just it's so frustrating because they're not the whole reason we're not killing the bug the spiders is because they're supposed to be killing these flying the, the mosquitoes and the the dangerous disease carrying bugs and they're not doing it because they're on the ground so or the base there are no bugs in my house too that's the other thing what are they doing? What are they doing in my house? Maybe they're lifestyle spiders. I mean, it's like how, you know, what are we doing not procreating? I don't know, living our lives. That is true. That is true. The We are God spiders. We are God's little indoor spiders. Yeah. I mean, all we do is eat our own gum. <laughs> <laughs> we don't know oh, where to put the web. I'm just like, Joel, here's the thing. If I was like, if you knew a person, it's like, okay, everyone else or like many people are having sex and there was this one person and only ate his own cum. It's not your place to judge him. That's just like what he does. And these spiders don't catch bugs. They just eat their own webs. But that's not what they're supposed to be doing. Wow. Okay, that, the youth group God, leader so glad out. Your current problematic line of reasoning is overshadowing my... Um, my uh, 2020 that you were yeah. earlier. I have this entire time been thinking how I can edit out that part to make myself sound less like I support Cuomo. I don't think there is a way to do it. No, yeah, you're no right. Way. You so, literally said that Cynthia Nixon was too weak-willed to handle it. I mean, I did kind of say that. And I, I, she can do her own sexuality, but she can't fight her way out of a pandemic. Cynthia Nixon. Well, I'm really glad she's attached to the next Ryan Murphy project. I'll say that. She is? Yeah, so she's throwing in the towel. She's not going. There's already a um a trailer for it. Oh, is it Nurse Ratchet or whatever? Something like that. Okay. Nurse Ratchet. Why? Is I don't it think it's that? actually called Nurse Ratchet. That's my latest single. <laughs> With Megan Thee Stallion, Nurse Ratchet. <laughs> Wait, Joel, you have a hard out, so we need to do um um oh. our final segment. Oh, I forgot all about that. I know. So we do a final segment um, for the listeners listening for the first time. I guess I'll explain it to you because somebody left a review on our podcast that said it's a little too inside baseball sometimes. Wait, really? Somebody actually said that? You know, somebody did say that. There was one review that said that. And I said, (laughs) wait, I'm looking it up right now. They said game, bitch. That's why you're mad. Yeah. Don't be fucking mad. Move to New York. Dumb. Move to New York. I'm an alt comedian, and then you'll I'm sorry, be- if you listen to our podcast and you're not an alt comedian in New York, we do not want your business. <laughs> this is a boutique podcast that is put out by us and us alone. Not even Forever Dog can tame us. Oh, there it is. First of all, the title of this review is beige, and then it says flashes of wit, but it all seems like an inside joke that I'm not privy to. I might be missing some of some of nuances since I don't live in New York, though. Hmm. here's what I will say. I guarantee you that most people who live in New York uh, also are podcasts. 
<laughs> also are, are not privy to some kind of inside joke. I Okay, to their credit, this podcast is definitely an intermediate level podcast. Oh, yes. Actually, I actually, have you listened to some of, have you listened to Karamo's podcast? Come on. No, Joel, I have not listened to Karamo's podcast. Yeah, what do you think I'm doing? Sitting around listening to the damn Queer Eye Guys podcasts? Unbelievable. I'm just saying that like this podcast is infinitely better than like Chasten's podcast or like, well, or, like Hot Save bad. America, for instance. I would rather listen to this for 10 hours straight than listen to one episode of Pod Save. Well, I would have to agree. Yeah, <laughs> shots fired. You've heard it okay. here first. Wait, we we have to we have to do um. What's our final segment called? Oh, shout outs. That's right. Shout outs, and, and it's we give a shout out to something that we like uh, in the style. Of, I like uh, that some out. guests really take this to be like an uh like an MTV TRL situation, and some guests think it's radio, and it's really interesting to see. Which well, we haven't doing. decided which one it is, and once again, I'm I personally don't decide as I'm doing it what what I'm trying to go for. I think it's open to interpretation, and I think George again is good at it. But he is uh, he the low he comes in with his low um, uh, sense of self and it, it, self esteem. Yeah, shut up, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> actually, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> you know, actually, shut up. Um, he comes you in with a I low have one. I have one today, and I'm ready self. for it. Okay, great. Then you can start. What's up, listeners? I want to give a quick shout out to Chastin Buttigieg, Karamo, Jonathan Van Ness, John Lovett from Pod Save America, and all other prominent gay men. I think what you're doing is so good, and you're opening doors for me left and right. I can't even, I don't have time to go through each of these doors. Every day I wake up and I go through each door and I say, this one, maybe this one. If anything, there are too many options of me as a, for me as a young gay man in media slash entertainment. And I wish some of them would close along with the people who opened them. Okay, I'll go now. What's up, listeners? Um, I just want to give a quick shout out to toxic parents everywhere. Um, I just rode on an airplane. Yes, it's allowed. Who cares? Live it up. YOLO. And there was a parent behind me who was absolutely going off on the flight attendant. It was quite rude. And I don't know why they were so mad, but they kept condescending to her and she was being really nice. And she, they kept saying, what's your last name? What's your last name? I'm going to report you. I'm going to report you. And it was like, literally just make your kids sit in the seat. That's all she's asking me to do. And he wouldn't stop talking to her for the entire hour flight. And she was nice and she was funny and her presentation was original and I cared for this woman and I tried to smile at her when I left and said thank you, but I was wearing my mask and so she couldn't see my smile and I don't think my eyes are that expressive and that is just the truth that I have to live with. I love you, flight attendant. I hate you, evil parents. It was your choice to have kids and no one else had them. Bye. Woo. <laughs> what a journey. <laughs> Hey guys, what's up? I just want to send out a quick shout out to my barber. He is back in business and his warped sense of celebrity says that I am one of his celebrity clients along with his other celebrity client, Zendaya's mom. Those are <laughs> celebrity clients, me and Zendaya's mom. I love him so much. I love the way he cuts my hair and constantly fills me in on today's greatest conspiracy theories. I did not know about the Wayfair one until I got my hair cut by my barber and he is constantly, yes, constantly, constantly, constantly referring to them or they and he refuses to elaborate on who they are. I love the way that he makes me feel uncomfortable but I cannot find anyone else to cut Asian hair so I keep going back even though he is much better than my last barber who would constantly show me straight porn on his own while he was cutting my hair and then I finally came out to him after a year and he just started showing me weirder porn <laughs> not showing me porn at all so in that way miss current barber even though he does believe that children are being trafficked through wayfair cabinets is much better than my last barber and i love him and i just want to say thank you <laughs> wait i didn't know that wayfair thing you didn't know that oh no sir it's a classic. Apparently, um, the name of Wayfair Cabinets aligns with the names of missing girls. And if you order a specific Wayfair Cabinet, you're ordering that missing girl. I think I explained that correctly. But again, wow. coming like third hand through my barber, who is not, I don't know, he, I, he clearly doesn't understand what's happening. So I'm not sure why. 
Well, um, we will look into this. Well, and, and Joel, to your to your former barber, I, I just say I feel like all barbers are straight and currently horny. They I've never oh, not yeah. had if a barber, a barber isn't showing me porn. It's not authentic. Yeah. yeah. He 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 literally went from just showing me like what he jerked off to the night before to showing me a like weird check, like not check fantasy, but like check like guys painting with their dicks. And he oh thought, yeah, I've gone down that rabbit hole. Yeah. <laughs> well, that seems pretty inclusive. Yeah, I mean, he was trying. He was doing his best. Yeah. And the ally of the week goes to Joel's former barber. <laughs> um, so, Joel, I guess thank you for doing the pod. This yeah, has I guess been thank you. Incredible. Long time coming. Um, first time, long time. Um, mm-hmm. I'm really excited to see. You know where you guys land with this us too and we have been kind of crash landing for a few months now and i cannot wait to see where the final destination is (laughs) hopefully the forever dog offices (laughs) maybe earwolf you know head gum Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. oh sure why not why not i say all of them all of them are possibilities and i can't say anymore honey as long as i can buy a brownstone at the end of this i'm set what if we? Oh my God, Sam! Imagine if we can't buy a brown store from brown store, <laughs> a brown store from our podcast money. That would be really um, sad. I, I I I've been told by many many people that I will be able to buy a brownstone at the end of this. I need to buy a brown store, which is a store <laughs> where I sell uh, only objects that are shades of brown. And I think you can. Thank um, you. Okay, should we should we go then? Yeah. Okay. Do you guys at the end of your podcast or what? No queen. Bye.